Good morning, everybody. It's such a privilege to be here again. I think last time I was here, I was surprised you invited me back because I ended up in a blubbering mess. <laughs> so I hope I don't do that again this morning. But um, it was such a privilege to share with the youth on Friday night. Uh, Aaron and Anna are doing such a good job and it was just such a joy to see a lovely bunch of young people passionate for the Lord. And um, it's always so nice to be here um, in a healthy church that is discipling people and seeing them grow into um, the image of Christ. So um, I have a a message on my heart today to share with you. It's a little bit similar to what I shared with the youth, so sorry if some of you are here again and get a double whammy. But um, just bear with me. It might be challenging for some of you. Um, it might be out of your comfort zone, um, but I'm preaching to myself. So um, I just pray that what I share will really um, speak to your heart. So I might just pray if that's all right, and then um, I'll just... Um, share something a little bit about myself. Father, we just thank you. We just thank you so much that you are such an awesome and a powerful God. Lord, who are we that you are mindful of us? I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come right now. We invite you to come. We know that we're two or three together. There you are in the midst of them. But Lord, we say we want you to come because we desire you. And we just ask for your presence here. We just pray this morning that you will do great and mighty things. We thank you for the days that we're living in. And Lord, we just pray, Lord, that these seeds of my words and of my weakness, you will take them and they will grow and bear fruit. And that others will come and eat of that fruit, Lord, and you'll be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. So yes, I'm Gillian and Sonia's and Ernie's and... Gordon's little sister, and Becky and Naomi, and Joram and Ezra's proud auntie, and um, we have an awesome heritage. Um, my parents are pastors, so I grew up in a Christian family, in a strong home of faith, and when I was um, 2011, to cut a long story short, I went to China and I saw so many, so many people who had never heard of Jesus Christ before. And I'd always wanted to serve the Lord and be a missionary. And that's where my journey began. So as Aaron said, I, um, I gave up my really good job as a graphic designer and sold everything I had. Um, but it didn't hurt one bit because I couldn't wait to get over and tell people about Jesus. And so for five years I was in Asia um, in the last year, I was in Japan, learning Japanese, working as a, um, doing evangelism and discipleship, uh, learning, um, meeting a lot of foreign students, helped with a church plant there. But while I was in Japan, um, I came across a ministry from Denmark, and it's called The Last Reformation. I'm not sure if any of you have heard of it, but I'd been watching them on YouTube for a couple of years, and they help people become Book of Acts disciples. And I'm sure you would agree that there are many people here who want to be used of God, would like to see more of the supernatural happen in their lives, but just don't know where to start. And I was like that. I really, really wanted to see more of God at work in my life. But even because of my heritage of faith, I just didn't know how to do it. You know, I knew how to share the gospel, but I'd never prayed for a non-believer. I was just too scared to do that. Um, and so I met them. 
And they took me out on the street, and for the first time, I prayed for a non-Christian. And I just would ask the sound people if they could just show that clip number one. We are in Saga in Japan right now, and this is Donna. And you are from New Zealand and, and live in Japan for one year. Donna, you have not yet prayed for anybody on the street who have got healed. That's right. Okay. But I want to say that in the next hour or two, Donna has prayed for many sick who have got healed. So see how that will go. It's stuck like this. Yeah. How long time have you had problem with that? About two weeks. Two weeks, okay. Okay, Donna, lay the hands a very short prayer for the healing. Try to do it again. What's going on? What's this? This is Jesus. Have you heard about Jesus? Because of Jesus, your hand is healed right now. Try to feel the pain. No pain. No pain. What about what about you? Here, shoulder, shoulder. Shoulder. Okay, Donna, just... We got lighter. Yeah. Is there a little more? I know. A little, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, 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 okay. What about you? Stomach? You put the hands, Stomach. You do that and just lay the hands. Oh. <laughs> oh, no, they want to be next. Okay. No pain. The last thing you saw was one person got healed and then one more came and one more came and one more came and suddenly it was four persons like this. And you see that every time afterward they're open to listen to the gospel. It's just it's so wonderful. Yeah. It's the power of Jesus. Man. Yeah. So I say to other people out there who maybe have been waiting for 10, 15, 20 years, you don't have to wait so long time. You can do so much in one hour. And now you have done it and you can do it alone and this is going to continue. I want to say it's not a feeling. It happened because we did it. It's discipleship. And I think many people are waiting for a special moment, a special feeling. And I feel nothing. No, I don't feel nothing either. But they feel something. And you see the power of God. There was one guy who just um, looked at me. And it was the look in his eyes like, who are you? What have you got? And it was a revelation to me that the value of what we have inside of us, the value of what the Father has entrusted to us, you know, um, that Jesus lives inside of us and the power that he's given us. And I think there's been times in the past where I've walked down the street and just wished I could heal people, like seeing sick people and just felt compassion for them, but just thought it would never happen, you know. I've never seen it happen, so I'm not going to step out and try it. But today uh, was different, and um, 
yeah, apart from my salvation, I think this is probably one of the most significant uh, milestones in my Christian experience. So that was a pretty special day for me. Just little things, little people getting sprained wrists healed. We actually saw 10 people healed that day, people's legs growing out. Um, but to me, it just it broke something. It was that fear barrier that most of us have of going out and praying for people. And that began a journey. And the last year, I've been um, traveling around full-time, taking people out in the street, training them how to pray for people. We do a lot of things that the Book of Acts tells us we should do. We baptize people. We cast out demons. We um, heal the sick. And we preach the gospel. And it's been a really amazing year. And I feel like the older I get, the less I know. But I feel through this, starting this journey, I feel I now have more answers for people's problems than I ever did before. And I think that's how God wants us to live, is that he has given us so much. And that's what I want to talk to us uh, about this morning, is what we have. We're sitting on a gold mine as Christians, but we don't realize it. And... We know what Jesus' last instructions to us were, commonly known as the Great Commission. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I'll be with you even to the end of the age. And you know, that same authority that Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to us as well. Jesus has transferred that authority to us. And the scripture says many times that he has given us that power. It says that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. And it also says that the kingdom of heaven is not just in word, but it's in power. And when Peter and Paul and John stretched out their hand to heal, it was in power and signs and wonders followed. And, you know, it's, it's time for the church of Jesus Christ to rise up and shine it's time for her to reclaim her inheritance. God is a supernatural God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we don't just go to church. We are the church. And we are Jesus' hands and feet in the world today. And we want to give people real bread, not just those nice, shiny circulars that come in the mailbox with beautiful pictures of Domino's pizza and that. We want to actually give people bread, not just tell them about it. And so that's where I want to be. I'm not there yet, but I'm on my way, and I want to take as many people with me as I can. Now, the Great Commission, Jesus commanded us to make disciples, not just converts. And salvation is not just about praying a prayer. It's not just about crossing a line. It's not just about getting a certificate and putting it on the wall. It's not insurance from hell. You see... People can experience or feel God, but it doesn't mean they're born again. And unfortunately, there's many people in the church who have been going for years and years and have never really been born again. And the Christian life is a journey. It's not static. If we're not moving forward, we're actually moving backwards. And many people call themselves born-again Christians, but they really don't know what that means. You see, when Paul wrote the letters, the epistles to the churches... What did he address them as? He said to the saints 
in the church of such and such. Do you think of yourself as a saint today? Or do you think of yourself as a sinner? I just hear so many Christians saying, I'm a sinner saved by grace. But we're not, are we? We're saints. God's called us. It just means saint is from the word sanctified, which means to be set apart, to be holy for a purpose and for a use. And that's what we are. We're not just to be cleansed of our sins, but to be saved is to be called to a holy calling. And he calls us his children, mighty men and women of valor. And we say, who? Me? <laughs> well, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm just weak. I, I don't know what to say. But it's because we don't understand discipleship. And I want to talk this morning about discipleship. You know, when we, when we go to war, we don't just send the generals. The whole army has to go. And, you know, we have been given generals, the prophets and the apostles, the pastors, teachers, evangelists. But their job is to equip us ordinary people to do the work of the ministry so that we can go out and see the lost saved, not just waiting for the pastor to do all the work. And so what is a disciple? A disciple is just an intentional pupil, someone who's willing to learn. You know, Moses had Aaron and uh, Paul had Timothy. And, you know, it's a bit of an old-fashioned word. We probably think apprentice, you know, apprenticeship is, conjures up the idea of someone who's under a teacher learning to do that particular trade. But what's a Christian? You know, Jesus never used that word. It's only mentioned in the Bible three times, but the word disciple is mentioned 250 times. It wasn't until 11 years after Jesus rose again that we hear the word Christian. And it's because those people who were disciples of Jesus looked so much like him and were living and doing what he did that they got the name Little Christ, and that's what Christian means. And, you know, when I was in Europe at um, Bible school, um, after I met that um, ministry uh, from Denmark, I went across to their Bible school in Europe and we did a lot of street ministry there and we learnt. It was a great platform to learn how to do ministry. We met a lot of people who we talked to on the streets and said, um, do you believe in God? Yes, I believe in God. Um, do you read your Bible? Yes, read my Bible. Um, do you go to church? Oh, not so much anymore. Yeah. Do you, what's going to happen to you when, when you die? Um, I'll go to heaven. Why do you think you'll go to heaven? Oh, because I was baptised as a baby and would say, what, what does that mean? You know, what does the Bible say about being born again? You see, being baptised as a baby doesn't count because a baby can't repent of their sins. And so for us today, Christian can mean anything. It may mean we just go to church. My mean our family's Christian or we're born in a Christian country or we're baptised as a baby or we believe in God. But you see, Jesus is not interested in decisions or just converts. He's interested in disciples. And that's quite challenging because he wants us to move forward. And um, he's not interested in, in building big churches just for the sake of filling up the seats. But he's interested in our hearts and in our fruit. And he's interested in, in us becoming like him. And as disciples of Jesus, each of us are called to look like our master. 
You know, Luke says that a disciple is not above their teacher, but those who are perfectly trained will be like their teacher. And so that's the whole point of being a disciple or an apprentice, is to look like our master. And they didn't take a title in the New Testament. They took an apprenticeship. And how did they look like Jesus? You know, Jesus went about and he shared his life with people. He healed the sick and he raised the dead. He cleansed the lepers and he did amazing things. He multiplied food. He forgave people of their sins. He preached the gospel. And that's what that life he has called us to manifest through ourselves. Now, it sounds like a big call, doesn't it? You know, where do you even start with that? But it says in Mark 16, one of my favorite scriptures these days, these signs will follow those who believe. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. They'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. And if they drink anything poison, it won't hurt them. And that's for all of you today. Those things are for all of you. You know, it's not just for special, chosen or anointed people. This anointing you have, the Bible says, is for all of those who have received the Holy Spirit. Yes, awesome, all right. (laughs) You know, you've got to start somewhere. I don't know if any of you know Bill Sabritsky at all, but he operates incredibly, did, before he passed away, in the word of knowledge. But he first started, he didn't know what to do, but that's what he wanted. He asked the Lord for the gift of the word of knowledge, and he would go along and he'd look at people. No, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then eventually he would just, just a small thing, he would speak out. And eventually he began to get more and more accurate until he was just reading people's mail. And that's, we've got to start somewhere. It's not one day some big anointing is not going to fall on you and you'll just become like that. It's Faith is a muscle and you have to exercise it. And you just don't go from being a couch sitter to being an Olympic gold medalist overnight. You just have to get out there and start and get your hands dirty. Because the Bible says to stir up the gift within us and to earnestly desire the best gifts. And I believe that there's nine gifts of the Spirit that each of us have the potential to operate in because they're tools for the task. And we've got a big task and we need some tools to do it. So we should ask the Lord. I've been asking the Lord every day for, for those gifts. And I, when I feel like I want to talk to someone about the Lord, I just ask the Lord, what are you saying about this person? What is their problem? And I'm just finding I'm getting more and more ability to be able to minister to that person's problem. And it wasn't always like that, and I've got a long way to go. But when you ask, God will answer your prayer because this is important to him. And it will look really different to how we function. You know, some people are awesome at hospitality. Some people are good at administration. We're all different. God's given us different giftings. But every disciple should be equipped to heal the sick, to preach the gospel, to baptize. Did you know the Bible doesn't say it's just the leadership that can baptize people? We're baptizing people in Lake Taupo, in bathtubs, and wheelie bins. It doesn't matter. (laughs) As long as they go under the water, you know, it doesn't matter. And um, we've formed this whole mentality around church and how it's supposed to be. 
But if we go back to the book of Acts, we really have to take off our religious glasses and see that we're really limiting our freedom by some of the mentalities that we have. And these are functions not just for leadership, for the whole church. It is time for God's people to rediscover our inheritance. Because Paul prayed for the Ephesians, and this is another prayer that I pray every day, that I'd have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that the eyes of my understanding would be enlightened, that I would know the exceeding greatness of his power towards me and to you who believe. Because if we could only see the armies of heaven that are on our side, we would step out and do much greater things for God. So the only way to become like our trainer is to learn. Put your hands in and do it. So many people read about discipleship, but we don't do it. And when you're in an apprenticeship, it's hard to get everything right. You know, I remember um, a situation I had in my job one time. I was... I didn't train as a graphic designer, I actually trained in industrial design, which is quite different, but I learnt graphic design and in one of my jobs um, I bought a camera, a big flash camera, but I wasn't a photographer, I'd never trained in photography, and one of our clients was hosting John Key to come and open their facility, and my boss said to me, um, Donna, you can do the photography for this event. And I said, oh, no thanks, it's all right. <laughs> she said, you don't have a choice, you're doing it. <laughs> I said, ah, no thanks. <laughs> you can't say no to your boss. And um, I said, look, I've just bought the camera, I don't know how to use it. She said, it'll be really good for you. So she takes me down and I get a list from the client of all the different photos that they need. John Key walking in with the bagpipes, John Key cutting the haggis, John Key giving a speech. So... <laughs> He comes in, I take the first photo, sweet, got that one. Next photo, the camera jams, and it just won't go. And I was <laughs> petrified. I was shaking all over and sweating. I just couldn't work out what had gone wrong with the camera. But it turns out it had a flash that had to reload, and the battery was weak, and it wasn't loading quick enough. I just didn't know what was going on. And so the whole time, it was just like hit and miss with this camera until I was in a small room with John Key alone, and I had to take a photo of him in front of the plaque. <laughs> I was standing there, my hand was shaking, and it just wouldn't go. And he said to me, it doesn't take that long to focus a camera. And I just pushed the ground, would have opened up, and I would have died. <laughs> but, you know, that's what it's like with discipleship sometimes. Sometimes it's just uncomfortable. We don't know what to do. We get it wrong. You know, the first time I heard someone manifesting a demon, I was so scared, and I didn't know what to do. I just sat there and closed my eyes and pretended I didn't hear it. But, you know, now I know what to do. Now I know what to do. But, you know, if someone says to you, oh, you're a Christian, so you can cast out demons, that's what the Bible says. Uh, how many of us would say, oh, I've read a few books on it, but actually I'm not too sure how to do it myself. It's, it doesn't really cut the mustard, does it? You know, if we claim to be disciples of Jesus, we need to be able to look like he looked. And sometimes the teacher gets angry with us from time to time when we don't follow his instructions. And do you remember the disciples? The father brought the epileptic boy to Jesus and said, your disciples can't cast this thing out of my son. And Jesus um, cast the demon out. And later 
the guys came to Jesus and said, why couldn't we cast it out? And Jesus rebuked them because of their unbelief. And he said, this kind, this kind of unbelief only comes out through prayer and fasting. And you don't find again that they had the same problem. And I encourage you, if you don't fast, fasting is a good thing to do. It's a good thing to humble ourselves. It's a good thing to do so that we don't lean on our own understanding. When we lean on our own understanding and we try and work things out in our head, that's when we get into problems. It's by faith that we function as Jesus did. And so the whole idea is to end up looking like Jesus. And it's not okay. It's okay, you know, to begin with. We've got to start with a decision. We start with following Jesus in little steps. And I'm not whipping anybody, but I'm saying if 10 years later we don't look any more like Jesus than when we first did, then it's not okay. We've got to keep moving forward and to grow, to, mo- to look more like him. See, a lot of people in the church, including myself, were waiting for a special prophecy from a special anointed person. Every time we'd have a prophet at the church, I'd be thinking, oh, pick me, pick me. You know, I know, I know God must have something for me. I was waiting for their approval, waiting for them to impart something to me that suddenly I'd just become something amazing overnight. And you don't need their permission. You don't need um, to be given a ministry in the church or a position in leadership to be used of God. You can go on his authority and you can go and do it this afternoon. Because you're good at what you do lot, um, what you do lot, you're good at, right? I know there's things that you, you can do that I can't do simply because you've trained in that and you've done it lots. And as I said, faith is a muscle that needs exercising. And fear isn't the problem. I've struggled with a lot of fears in my life. I'm much better than I used to be, but if anyone's got an excuse, I do. But I force myself to go out on the streets every week, and it is so scary, and the fear has never gone away, but I'm getting better and better. And um, the bolder and freer you get, that comes through experience. And so we need to ask ourselves, what is crucial? You know, I was listening to David Riddell recently, and he was talking about crucializing what's important in life. And he was saying, Martha was rushing around doing the vacuuming and unloading the dishwasher and cleaning the house and cooking, and she complained to Jesus, Mary's just sitting there like a blob. Why don't you get her to do something? And Jesus said, Martha, there's one thing that's crucial, and Mary has found it. And what is that one thing? Is hearing the heart of Jesus. We need to be able to hear his heartbeat and then to obey. Not what we think he said, but what he's actually said. And what was the last thing he said to us? So he said, go and make disciples. That was his last instructions to the church. So we need to sometimes just examine ourselves. What are we doing with our time? What are we doing with our resources and our finances? Is that feeding into the crucial? Is that feeding into making disciples? And so the kingdom of God is growing through normal people like you and I, going from house to house. And sometimes the tasks seem so big we don't know where to start. But if you've got your Bibles this morning, I just ask if you'd turn to Luke chapter 10. 
And that's where the Bible gives us our pattern, our platform for how to do this. So if you look at Luke chapter, chapter 10, verse 1. And he said to them, the harvest truly is great. And now that's good news. Jesus said that 2,000 years ago. Imagine how much riper it is now. But the labourers are few. You know, God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I was staying in Christchurch recently, and my friends um, were also hosting a missionary team from Kenya. Now Africa is sending missions teams to New Zealand. I find that embarrassing, don't you? <laughs> but that's, that's the truth of it. The church in Africa is alive and vibrant, and now they're reaching out to other parts of the world. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, a farmer doesn't build a beautiful barn, paint it. You know, he doesn't stand there at the door and look out on the wheat sort of blowing in the breeze and say, harvest, come on in. What is wrong with the harvest? It's not coming in. Uh, what if I put some nice lights in the barn? Maybe a little bit of soft hill song, maybe a little cafe in the corner. Okay, harvest, come on in. Still not coming in, is it? Now that's a really dumb thing to say because it's obvious to you. Sometimes it's not obvious to us. People aren't just going to come and walk in off the street into this church where we talk about hallelujah and tithes and things. They have no idea what we're talking about. Look, there's nothing wrong with gathering together. Church is awesome. But we have to go out and get the harvest and bring it in. And for that, we need to disciple people before they're ready to fit into the church culture. Otherwise, they'll sit there and miss the gospel because the chances that they'll hear the gospel message in a morning service is pretty slim. And maybe that's different in different churches, but um, the, the church... The church was never made to be a seeker-friendly place. It was made to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And, and those who are us who have been equipped need to go out and get the harvest in. And we need to watch our tongue. We have creative power in our tongue to curse the harvest. We have creative power in our tongue to cast down and to, and to build up. And sometimes we... We speak unbelief to ourselves and to the harvest. We say, oh, New Zealand's just gospel-hardened. You know, in Japan, we'd always say that, oh, it's traditionally a very hard mission, mission field. But the problem's not the harvest. The problem is the workers. We need more workers with more experience. It's not about learning more, getting more messages, getting more programs. It's about simply putting into practice what we already know. And we know a lot as New Zealand Christians. Go your way, verse 4, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Now we know, as Kiwis, know, we know our lambs pretty well, that the, they're the most innocent, harmless little animals you ever wish to find. And that's who we are as Christians. You know, what shepherd in their right mind would send a lamb amongst wolves? One who, is, who goes with them. And Jesus said, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. And he takes the foolish things and the weak things of this world 
to confound the wise. And so we're not the most talented or the gifted people for the job. He chose fishermen and tax collectors and funny, rough people to revolutionise the world. And so be encouraged. God's chosen you too. And he hasn't chosen you because of your merits. He's chosen you because of your surrender. And that's when he can show himself strong on your behalf is when you surrender. That's what we're talking about this morning in the worship. And he said, go and God will provide for your needs. Now, I'm running a bit short of time, but I can say that God is a faithful God. When I gave up my job, I was really scared to go to the mission field. I didn't know how on earth I was going to survive, pay the rent, live in a country I'd never lived in. But I can say when God calls you, he'll provide for you. And he's a faithful God. Find a person of peace. Now, there's two people we'll meet in life, people that the Bible says we need to shake the dust off our feet from. They're those whose hearts become harder and harder as we share the gospel with them. They're not interested. They like to argue about atheism and evolution and all sorts of things. It doesn't mean that God's not working on their heart, but we don't have to have all the answers all the time. We're looking for people. That's the second kind of people that God's told us to look for, and that's people of peace. Now, what is a person of peace? It's someone whose heart is open to God, who's curious. And when you mention things, they want to ask you questions. And they might say, oh, I was really thinking about that. And, oh, that's funny. I had a dream about that last night. Or, you know, there's someone who you can tell has sniffed something in the air and they're after that. And God is sending you to that person. And they're out there. And God has put you in your own sphere of influence. There's people that you can reach that I'll never be able to reach because God has called you for this time and this purpose and this season and he's put you in workplaces and in families and in neighbourhoods where he wants to use you that no one else can be used. You might be the only person who that person, that person of peace, is ever going to hear the gospel from. So we have a responsibility and be sensitive to the small still voice of the Holy Spirit when he's telling you how to talk to that person. Now, we were reaching out to our neighbour when I was flatting in Palmy years ago and we'd been sharing the gospel with her and having her over for meals, but we thought she needed to go to church to get saved. And we'd been asking her and asking her and she'd said no, no. Finally, she said yes. And so we took her to church that morning. We were so excited. She was going to go up the front and give her heart to Jesus. And that Sunday, the church preached on the new branding and the new logo for the church. <laughs> we were gutted. <laughs> uh, we were just thinking, oh, the church has failed her so badly. And as far as I know, she never um, went back again and we lost touch with her. But, you know, the church didn't fail her. We did. Because... Those people God have given to us are our responsibility. And I'm not saying that a, a branding service is the best thing, but um, yeah, we, we didn't realise that we can also disciple people at that stage. And Jesus says, eat and drink with them. He was eating and drinking with sinners, not to party and gamble, but because sinners need righteousness and the sick need a physician, and that's what we're called to do. And when, when Paul 
was on the road to Damascus and Jesus revealed himself to him in a blinding light and he fell off his horse. Um, he was, God spoke to a man called Ananias. Now we never hear of Ananias before or after that, but God said to him, you go and speak to Paul and pray for him that his sight would be restored. Now we need to be like Ananias in our daily life, just saying to the Lord, what do you want me to do today? What do you want me to say? Just give me somebody to talk to about you today. Just be open to his leading. You don't have to save the whole world. You don't have to save the whole of Upper Hutt. God might just give you one person in your whole life to disciple, but if you do that well, it brings great glory to God. And so he said, heal the sick and preach the gospel. Not everybody has the gift of prophecy, the gift of healing, but everybody can heal the sick, preach the gospel, baptize, make disciples of others. So learn how to preach the full gospel to people. It's the power of salvation and it changes people's life. If you're not confident in it, I encourage you, just find some simple steps of how to do that. Because we're called to testify and to give a word in season and an out of season. So where do you start? It's, it's a big call. You know, be intentional in your relationships. If there are people in your life you can think of right now, make a prayer list and begin to intentionally pray for those people. You've got a platform. You don't need this microphone. Some of us may never have a chance to use the microphone. We don't need a pulpit. You've got a kitchen. You've got a shopping mall. If you like drinking coffee, you've got a cafe. That's your platform. Everyone has a desire to be used by God. And you can bring God's kingdom in your kitchen, in your dining room, around the table. You can preach the gospel to people. You don't need to be up the front. You know, I often feel so inadequate. But the more you do it, as I said, the bolder you get and the more you see God's freedom coming to people's lives. You know, I still miss opportunities all the time. I was in the bank the other day talking to the bank um, about some accounts I'd opened and he had a very heavy cold and I've seen people healed of congestion in their nose just like that and I was just um, rehearsing the scenario over in my mind, you know, I would just reach across, take him by the nose, <laughs> congestion go in Jesus' name, <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know. I could just imagine him jumping up in a revival in the ANZ bank and telling everybody, look what the Lord's done for me. But I was sitting there thinking, oh my goodness. Just <laughs> and I walked out of the bank and I missed that opportunity. But you know, there's opportunities around us all the time. There's people out there who have got moon boots and crutches and sore wrists. Just take a step of faith. If your workmate says, oh man, I've got a sore arm, just say, look, can I pray for you? I believe in the power of prayer. And God will come through for you, believe me. He will, as you saw in my video. So what does a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power look like? What is it we're looking for? Is it for a warm feeling or an awesome worship band or maybe some gold dust or a warm fuzzy feeling? You know, is that is that what we live for? No, you know... It's in a changed life. God's in the recycling business. And he's all about taking people who are broken, 
who were oppressed by sin and redeeming them from that life back to their original condition as sons and daughters of God. And that's what he's all about. That's what I love about Jesus. I just love to see people who come oppressed of the devil, oppressed by their sin, broken and hurting and living a life that's just full of despair and for them to be touched by Jesus and to go away completely healed and whole and shining and happy because there are answers. There are answers in this book for the world today. It's the gospel that sets people free. And, you know, signs and wonders are awesome. They really are. But they're only signs, and they point to a destination. And where is that destination? It's Jesus. That's where we want to take people. I love miracles. I love to see people get healed. But what's more important is that they come to know Jesus. Many, many people Jesus healed, and they walked away and never gave him another thought. And we see that in the street all the time. We see very little fruit from the street. But we want to see people come to know Jesus. And in your natural connections, you have a better chance of following people up and continuing that relationship. But to have a divine encounter is a really good way to open up for the gospel. So I just want to show you a little video, if we've got time. Um, have we got time, Jesse? Yeah. This is kind of in a nutshell what I do. There's lots of testimonies I could have shared with you this morning, but this sort of sums it up. This is what we're doing on a weekly basis. I join with a team from around New Zealand, and we go holding training events every week. Uh, not every weekend. Every, um, whenever people invite us to come. And we teach people how to do this, how to preach the gospel, how to cast out demons, how to baptize and heal the sick. And this is just one guy's testimony, and I've got lots of stories like this guy here. But it just gives you an idea of the power behind the gospel. So if we could just have Thomas's story, please. This story is so amazing. You're going to love it. I'm going to talk to you after this. I've had a rough patch most of my life. I had some traumatic experiences in my childhood. My father died when I was six in an accident, I hope. Maybe a crime, I'm not sure. So we do that same presence. About six months later, my mother met an Italian man, and he was a Catholic. We had a lot of arguments, we had a lot of shouting, a lot of fear. I was so afraid of him. But uh, we, we went uh, a couple of months each year to Italy where we uh, visited lots of Catholic churches and uh, I, I, I came to like it, actually. I came to feel um, comfort and, uh, yeah, I, I felt good with, when I was in the, in the, especially in the small churches up in the mountains and so on. And, and, and I knew right away that there's freedom. Mm. You have been through counseling, yeah. for counseling cannot set you free. No. But the gospel of Jesus Christ with repentant baptism of the Holy Spirit. And yeah. when you stood in the water also, yeah. it was hard for you. Yeah, it's very, very hard. Yeah, because I know you're going to bury Luther, uh, the Pope now, yeah. you're going to bury the Catholic Church, you're going to bury that fear, you're going to bury the whole life. Yeah, yeah. How was it to stand there in the water? Yeah, at first, at first it, was, it was so cold, I, I was thinking to myself, I'm never going to get down there. Mm. 
And then we started talking and you said you, you're gonna, you had to go down and, and like that. And all of a sudden the water felt warm, really, really warm. And I asked you, well, what's going on? And you said, it's still cold to us. But they idolized the, the Virgin Mary very, very much. So, so it was a, a lot of her and a little less Jesus. And, and uh, the Pope was a very, very big man. He was uh, the right hand of God. So, uh, so you looked up to him too. And uh, I think I got a lot of uh, wrong impressions. Yeah, the wrong kind of uh, Christianity, yeah, I'd say. Yeah. So. Let's see. Okay. Just. Oh. Hi. It feels a little bit so, you know? Yeah. This arm, I almost couldn't use it in the evening, if I had so many less men. Yeah. Niente. And it's not a placebo, it's 100%. But I had a, a rough patch uh, growing up uh, with, a, with a father who was very dominating and uh, I was afraid all the time. And um, I prayed to God every day, every evening, uh, that he would help me, help our family. Oh, it's again. Det er dejligt. Vi vil gerne have en interview senere også lidt, men frisk ord. Hvordan har det været? Kan du sætte ord på lige sådan helt frisk for dåben? Jamen helt, men jeg kan næsten ikke forklare. Altså jeg har bare en fred ind i mig, som jeg aldrig har haft før. Jeg kan ikke huske det hele dagen for mig nok. Nej. Nej, det var en kamp. Ja. ja. Det var mærkeligt med vandet, fordi det var iskoldt, der stod ned i det. Så det var det brandvarmt. Ja. Og så til sidst, så blev det koldt igen. Ja, som det var. <laughs> I, was so, I, was, I was scared every day. I had so much anxiety. And it's, it's been following me my entire um, grown-up life. And uh, in periods, it, it, it's, it's made me um, get very frustrated and irritated. And also, when I was young, uh, sometimes I, I, I'd get into fights. Cisco, Cisco, I'd hit people, I'd uh, threaten them, I'd... Uh, all of that um, suppression for all them years, uh, all of a sudden made me want to get it out, and nobody was going to treat me like that again. So I, I tried to become strong. But when I did it, I was very, very repentant afterwards. And I, 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 I was praying for God to forgive me. And I spent a lot of days um, suffering and, yeah. and, and in agony, actually. So. Yeah, if, if it wasn't because of God in my God in my life, I would have committed suicide yeah. many years ago. Yeah. But I was a chicken, and I was afraid of the punishment of God, not to die. No. The, the, as a, the actual dying, if I was just gone, you know, yeah. like if you uh, delete a computer file, yeah. like atheist things, yeah. uh, that would have been fine. Then I would yeah. have committed suicide many yeah. years ago. Yeah. But I was so afraid yeah. that that of the punishment of God if yeah. I did that. But you see, see this here. I can't do this, so you are very sure about it. What's that? Se her. Det er altså det der. Det er det gamle. Det er borte begravet. Det løber ud. Og vi skal ikke hente det op igen. Vi skal ikke fiske efter det. And and let me say I was very skeptical. Yeah. I was. Yeah. I, I, I wasn't uh, just uh, expecting it to happen. I I actually um, was very afraid of i was scared that absolutely nothing would happen, so, yeah. but it did. To Christian now. Oh, ba da 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 
and I don't remember all of it. Yeah. Thanks God. Thank but, but God. But the important is, it's heaven. You are baptized to Jesus. You yeah. are died with Christ. The old thing is over. You have got the Holy Spirit. You speak in tongues. You were also afraid of that before. Yeah, I didn't think that would be possible. No. Yeah, the freedom is amazing, and I hope. It's a bit long, that one, but that just gives you the gist of it. That there are real answers for real people. And when you get talking to people, you know, we find that everyone puts on a nice facade. But behind people's beautiful smiles, they're, they're hurting. And there's things they need answers for. And when you begin to talk and talk more, then we find out they need the gospel. And I'm just going to finish up really quickly now. Um, and just, um, we're going to close in prayer and then open up for any ministry time if people would like to come forward. Maybe uh, you'd like to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There was a bit more I would have liked to have said to explain that, but we just run short of time. But maybe you've never received the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus poured out on the day of Pentecost, and that's a gift that he desires to give to all of his believers Maybe there's something you're struggling with in your life that you can't get the victory over, an addiction, a sin, a fear, an anxiety. Maybe you need to be set free. There's no shame in that. It's very common. We get it all the time. Maybe you would like some physical healing in your body. I'm just going to close in prayer now, and then we're going to open up for some ministry time if you'd like that. Lord, we just thank you. For the truth of your word, we thank you that your spirit is upon us, that you have anointed us to preach the gospel, to set the oppressed free, to set those at liberty, Lord, who are in prison, who are blind, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. We thank you that you've chosen us, Lord, the weak and foolish things of this world. And we just thank you that you've entrusted us with your gospel, with your spirit. And Lord, I just pray you would touch your people once again, Lord, that you would cause your church to shine, to rise, to establish authority and power in the earth today. Lord, I just pray for these words to bear fruit. And Lord, we just thank you for this precious, precious congregation. Lord, you said when you come again, would you find faith on the earth? And Lord, I just pray that these people would be found doing your work when you come, and you would say, well done, my good and faithful servants, enter into your rest. Lord, that they would be a bride prepared for your coming, dressed in the fine linen, which is the righteous works, the righteous deeds of the saints. I just thank you for them today and for the wonderful leadership in this church. I bless them in Jesus' name. Amen.